The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash gelati lol. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash gelati lol. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. Good afternoon, or good evening, or good day to whenever you're listening to this. Uh, it's currently about 3.32 a.m. on Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. I'm going to quickly go over my notes from the G2 Fanatic series that happened this afternoon, or Monday afternoon. Um, obviously, there was the whole snafu with missing this yesterday that I went over on the podcast then. Just finished up with a Rod review for this match, and man, this was a banger. I'm kind of pissed off that I missed this live. Just a total mishap, but first, two, it, this was weird. So, the first two games of this series were essentially over in the first 10 minutes. Uh, they were lopsided stomps, the first one for G2, the second one for Fnatic. Um, other than some weirdness around the first Baron and G2 in Game 1, this is a pretty clinical stomping both games from both teams. Game 3, we saw Oscar and try the top lane Karma as a way to deal with the Zac top that we saw from Broken Blade earlier in the series and that we've kind of been seeing around the world. More on that in a little bit. You know, other than a weird early solo kill, it was working pretty well. Got to see Caps on Way again. Um... I think Way is just insanely broken. Maybe not broken, just very, very powerful. Like, when it's good, it's utterly broken. When it's not good, it's going to look kind of dumb. Um, it really doesn't need that much money to function at a super high level. It's just a very vulnerable character. So, like, you can just get on him and kill him. He, can't, he doesn't have great ways to protect himself. But if he's allowed to operate as like the artillery cannon kind of thing that he, that he can be, oof, man. It reminds me a lot... A lot of Invoker in Dota 2 for anybody that's played that. Where it's just, if it's allowed to have the space and it can just do all the AoE damage, it's just devastatingly powerful. So, um, anyway, not, not to gush about that champ. Um, this Anyway, third game, a lot more competitive. It was extremely action-packed early, just like most of these games. Um, and, and really, as most Blitzcrank games tend to be, we got to see that from June in this one. Um there was like 19 kills, I think like 20, 19 or 20 kills in the first 19 or 20 minutes. It was something like that. I'm mixing the two up. But, you know, so many of these early skirmishes were just incredibly close. They could have gone the other way. If any of them did, this could have been like a much different series. But um, anyway, the, the, the big turning point happened in this game with a fight around the 25-minute mark, which was just insanely well played from Broken Blade. You know, Fnatic thought they'd caught out Mickey. They blitz-hooked him over the banana bush wall in Topside River by the Baron. But G2 realized this happened, fully committed to the 5v5. Broken Blade managed to find No on the back, exposed on the back end. And he managed to effectively take him out, or close enough. Ended up diving the Azir turret the Humanoid put up. Baited out the Azir ultimate, which tried to throw him backwards. Flashed over it, but then re-landed a stretching strike to pull him in. And the result... Ended up in, you know, both carries dying for Fnatic. And even though it was like a 3v3 still, G2 had lost people on the back end. Their carries were still up. And most importantly, in this game specifically, Broken Blade was still up. And, you know, they were able to pick up another tower and get early recalls to set up for whatever they chose to do their next neutral, which in this case was the Dragon. To the Dragon, they ended up going to uh, Baron. They used the Baron as a bait to really set up a, a good engage for Zach. 
and um, the rest is history. Eventually, they you know they got the good Zach engaged, and that eventually ended the game for him after the ace. So, you know, it, it's interesting. The top lane Zach seems to have picked up some momentum around the world. We've seen it in the Eastern leagues a couple times now. We've seen it mid lane in the LCS as well, and. Um, it wasn't just a Mirwin special. Now everyone's playing it. Keep in mind, you know, the LEC's on 14.2. Has been getting a little bit more play in solo queue as well. So, you know, I think there's something to this. I don't think it's just a fluke. I think it's a really, really strong champ. It's incredibly annoying, and it really, really punishes, like, sloppy approaches and not being first on things. It's just an incredibly annoying champion to play against. Like, its lane phase is way better than it should ever be. His Obviously, his team fighting and engage is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's cool to see. Zach's a really fun champion. Zach encourages action in games, and I think generally people like those kind of champions. So, good to see him. Neither team was really perfect in this series, but I thought we, it was a pretty high level from both, at least to me. Um, really, it just hinged on a couple of you know small skirmishes and mechanical outplays, and G two won most of those today, and they were just the better team in those facets of the game. So, you know, I, it's weird in this game three, Fnatic actually held gold leads for a lot of the early part of the game, despite being down like three, four, five kills. But G two eventually started picking up the neutral objective gold, and they were just a little too overwhelming. Just an extremely entertaining series on rewatch. I, it's a damn shame I missed it live because this was a lot of fun. Moving on to Tuesday morning in the LPL, we had uh, Fun Plus Phoenix against EDG. Uh, this was a lopsided stomp in game one for FPX. They had a really, really severe bottom lane counter pick with life busting out the rumble support, something that we see a lot in solo queue but have seen. I think somebody's played it. Maybe the LJL. I forget who it was. But we have seen rumble support. Um, they played Vum uh, Rumble Varus bottom, which just absolutely destroys Zaya Rakan. Zaya can't deal with any poke. Rumble is just so, so powerful early in the game, and they completely steamrolled this bottom lane. Um, the FBX bottom lane ended up doing more damage than the entirety of the EDG team at the end of the game, which was kind of hilarious. The second game was was the competitive one in this one. It was a much better start for EDG. JJ got Alex Jax going pretty early with a good top lane dive. Um they managed to punish Fun Plus at a grub fight, uh, picked up another kill. They had blown out a pretty big gold lead in this one. It wasn't like huge, but it was like 2,500 gold in the first 15 minutes. It was pretty sizable. Um, I mentioned yesterday that Fun Plus tend to win games pretty quick and lose pretty quick as more of a bad thing than a good thing. But one of the good things about this for them personally is that they do a pretty good job of recognizing when a game's going south for them so far this season. And they're willing to punch back. Like they ended up doing that in this one. Um, there was another top lane dive being set up around the. It was like I think it was like the fifteen minute mark. Maybe it was fifteen minutes, fifteen thirty. And um, they were looking to set a dive up. And FPX knew they were falling behind, so they just like all teleported in, like full sent the whole thing. They ended up picking up a few kills from this. It didn't end up being a net positive trade up for them, but it was very close to being that. Like they almost got kills and got away with it. Um. But, you know, those kind of good punchbacks are what you want to look for, uh, especially from a, you know, a younger team from like them. Ah, they're not really that young. All these players are in multiple seasons into their career now. So I guess besides the junglers. But anyway, um, EDG were able to maintain their lead. Uh, 
The next dragon fight around 19 minutes, FBX did a similar thing, knew they were behind in the game, knew it wasn't getting better for them, so just like full scented on the first pick that they got, C Champ Kill Champ style. And um picked the fight immediately. They actually brought the gold back to pretty much even, but they didn't really get to go back and spend it because this was like the middle of a dragon contest. They picked up a few kills. It ended up being like a weird 3v3 at the end of it. But EDG did end up still picking up the dragon. They were still ahead. Um now that the buys happened, it was probably closer to even, but the you know kind of got balanced out by the fact that they picked up a third Drake, so the stats kind of still had EDG in a lead. Um, so EDG uses that, forces the Baron. They saw, um, right after the Dragon, they saw Care take the Herald bottom because they had picked up the Herald before uh, FPX did. He takes the Herald for a ride into the bot tower. But he had teleported into the dragon fight, so EDG was like, okay, dude, I'll just take Baron, which was probably the smartest thing that I've seen this team do, the best call that I've seen EDG make this entire season. So props to them. Uh, great call. They end up getting the Baron uncontested. They kind of screwed their siege up with the Baron, though. They had they did this like weird 3-2 split, and people kept getting picked off, and it kind of stalled their Baron siege out after just getting two towers. They got mid-outer and mid-inner, and that was it which is not a huge Baron power play. It's better than nothing, but um, they use this advantage. They still ended up picking up Hextech Soul out of it, and you know it was looking like the game was over, but then Ale, I don't know if he was just overconfident, but he kind of overstayed trying to trying to win a, two, a 1v2 as Jax, which Jax can do, and he had Hextech, but his team kind of just dipped and recalled, and then they changed their mind because he was like coming back up through like the bot, like the red side jungle for blue side. And FPX had reinforcements. So then Fisher canceled his recall, stopped and tried to help. And then Fisher ended up getting killed trying to help him. And, you know, like ultimately it didn't end up mattering, but like this kind of like sloppy overstaying stuff like that can matter against better teams. Um, the, the main point I'm trying to make bringing this kind of stuff up is like, yeah, EDG got this game, but it was still an extremely sloppy close, and there were still a lot of sloppy things about it. Great Baron call, but everything else was still really, really sloppy. Uh, game three, Fun Plus had like a 3,500 goal lead of 15 minutes and the Fiora counterpick to Cassante. Um, just this game was just over pretty quickly. Like that, like that's a that's a pretty agree. That's a pre that's a start that you don't really recover from, no matter what your comp is. Pretty much, it's like a one percenter. Um, Really, really bizarre draft. They did Nico as real bottom lane, which I thought was really, really odd, but I guess they wanted to either dive set up with Akali and Rel mid-jungle. I don't know. It was just a weird draft. Like, uh, I guess it's pokey, but you're against Caitlyn Karma, who were just going to outpoke pretty much everything. Gold lead never really grew. Uh, this like They blew that gold lead out, but of note for FPX in this one, they didn't really grow that gold lead until the Baron at around 30 minutes. Um... Which is, I don't know, like, that's a little weird. Like, they didn't, with that kind of advantage, you should be able to snowball that pretty hard, but they were just not able to. Um, their comp didn't really have particularly strong ways to, to dive, so I guess that played into it. But, you know, you have a Caitlyn Karma Siege, you just group up and start taking towers. They kind of just, I don't know, they didn't, they didn't fiddle fuck around, but it was like, I don't know. It was a little, little weird to me. Um, anyway, they, they ended up, just having better neutral control, which makes a lot of sense given you had Karma and Caitlyn traps and stuff like that. So they ended up just having better coordination and neutrals, eventually turned the corner with the Baron and won the game off of it. Next up, we had LNG Esports against Billy Billy Gaming. Uh, this was a 2-0 for Billy Billy Gaming. Uh, wow. Um, 
this game got really, really, this, this game one got pretty out of hand. Uh, it would have been a lot worse if Zune didn't pick up every single kill that BLG had in the first, like, 12 minutes or 13 minutes or whatever it was. Uh, he was 4-0 pretty quickly in this. He got his bottom lane ahead pretty hard. Uh, it was really weird. They, This was, like, a lot of, like, 3v3s and 4v4s that turned south, and the top lanes were just kind of, like, you know, noodle smacking each other the whole time. LNG were able to keep it pretty close through getting getting four plates on the bot tower pretty early, but when they went to actually finish the tower off and then like it was it was a really, really complicated long skirmish that happened. It was like a four weird four V four like counter gang situation. And they went to finish off the tower and just kinda overstayed a little bit and June was able to clean up and pick up another two kills. This time though, Elk was able to pick up two as well in this whole sequence. So at this point, June is like six zero and two. Elk is like two one and four or two zero and four. I forget. And it, they ended up just ballooning this gold lead pretty clinically through the rest of the game, and it was just one way traffic. The only thing that wasn't really clinical about this was the elder flip that happened. Uh, so BLG, BLG picked up a quick, uh, quick cloud soul for for Drake cloud soul. Um, there was a really Honestly, Zhun saved what could have been a 50-50 with this one. Uh, Weiwei actually tried to blast Cone into the Elder Pit because they didn't have a really clean entrance to it, so he tried to blast Cone into a pit for a smite steal, but Zhun just, like, Leolt kicked him out of the pit, and they ended up taking the Elder Drake, and that was the the game on this. Other than that, this was pretty clinical from BLG. Game 2 was a lot closer and more contested early, with BLG inching out small wins in a lot of these early skirmishes. They carried a moderate lead into the 20-minute mark. They picked up two of the first three dragons as well. Uh, LNG actually won a fight around the 23-minute mark, tried to flip it into a Baron, which they did end up getting despite Knight's Karma Poke trying to disrupt them. The thing is, LNG immediately ended up wasting this Baron because BLG made a great, great... It was kind of a soul read, I'll admit. Like, this easily could have not worked if LNG just decided to siege mid instead. BLG can't banana bush on, on LNG's side of the map uh, to disrupt the approach to Dragon. Ended up making a pick... Uh, and, you know, because they, they basically just read that they were going to go for the Baron and not Siege the Towers. So, this could have, like I said, this could have backfired, but it was the right read. Uh, they ended up making the camp, getting the, uh, getting the pick off. And, LN like, BLG ended up flipping the, the script here and ended up sieging LNG during LNG's Baron buff. Uh, because of all this, it allowed them to keep LNG pinned in their base long enough to get staggered recalls and to be the first team to the Infernal Soul, which they ended up taking and then winning the game with. LNG played pretty well in this match. Like, I, I, it, this was more BLG just being a whole, just a little bit better today in a few facets of the game, and it completely overwhelmed them. I, I, this is this was definitely more of a BLG look really good than LNG look really bad kind of situation. Um, really, a few of these early skirmish calls, like they were super close in both games, especially the second game. If any of them go a little differently. This could have been a different result, but BLG were just a little bit better on the day. Uh, more than LNG were bad or anything like that in particular. So, right now, BLG look pretty clearly like the best team in the LPL. Uh, they have, like, zero rust. They've looked just ridiculously sharp in most of their games so far. Um, it's going to be interesting because we're, we're about to take a long break. And I don't, I don't know, sometimes it's like you see this for, like, real sports too, where, like, they go on the all-star break or something – and it can really kind of cool off a hot team. But I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, sometimes they legit look like they're in midseason form and everyone else still looks like they're in January and February. So it'll be interesting to see if everybody else catches up if they're or if they're really just that much better than everybody. But this was an impressive showing from BLG. Still think the bet was absolutely correct here. Um, with how close both these games, especially the second one, with how close both these games were, uh, you, we were getting plus money on the plus 1.5 maps and an absurd money line number. I don't think this was an 80-20 series, but the result came out that BLG, you know, flipped heads, you know, twice or whatever you want to call it. So um, ended up losing the bets on this one. We ended up 0.3, whatever it was. I think we were point something, plus 0.387 units on the day, thanks to the uh, Dragon Under prop in the first FPX, in the FPX series and the FPX money line getting home. But other than that, um, interesting day. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams come out of the break. Hindsight, I might have missed out on uh, a kill total overplay in this one that I probably should have played regardless of whether it won or lost. I, I've been I've been trying to stick to good teams playing each other kill total overs, and I didn't end up doing that, which was probably an error on my part. But I think I was a little bit out of sorts yesterday, which is my bad. But you know, I guess you know you can't. It's missed opportunity cost, which always feels bad. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, try to learn from it and not do it again. But. Anyway, moving on to Wednesday morning, week three, day three, the final day before the Lunar New Year break in the LPL. We have two matches. We have Invictus Gaming, plus 166 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at minus 167, minus 1.5 at plus 489, versus Royal Never Give Up, minus 205 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at plus 137, plus 1.5 at minus 709. Invictus are actually starting on today. They're going uh, You Should Know Me, Tianzhen, Cryon, On, and Wink. RNG are running the same lineup of Breathe, Wei, Tangwon, LWX, and Ming. So my models actually made this more or less a pick 'em, but they tend to they put more weight on trending performance, more recent performance, and um, so far, like Invictus have been pretty good, even though they've only really faced one difficult opponent in Ninjas and Pajamas. RNG have faced like half their schedule has been against good teams. So, yeah, it, again, like I don't, I don't take the models as gospel this early on, especially in the LPL and especially pre Chinese New Year. It's like a weird. I, don't, I, you have more data in the LPL, but these teams, not all of them, are are that with it before the New Year. I tend to tread a little cautiously. That said, it can, it is indicative of a few things, right? So, like, more or less in this situation, those of you that have been following me since the start of the season know that I've been pretty bullish on this RNG roster coming into the season. I have outrights on them, and I think long-term that this roster is going to be good. I think they've been okay so far. But with that in mind, I think they, you know, they haven't really had that many decisive wins. You know, they haven't had any crippling losses, like super bad losses, besides the BLG one, and they were even pretty close in one of those games. But what I'm... I'm kind of just beating around the bush here. What what I'm trying to get at is this number is a little too big right now. Uh, you know, I, I like RNG. I think they're going to be a better team. But this number is a little bit too big based on what we've seen so far. So I think this is like a dog or pass situation. It's close. Like, if they had shown me any kind of decisive wins or, like, really, really clean play, you know, I've 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 liked their film a lot more than Invictus is. But if, if RNG had shown me that they can cleanly beat bad teams – and, you know, they've beaten bad teams, but they haven't, like, dominated. If they'd show me any of that, I would probably be going against my models and backing them here. But they haven't, so I think this is a dog or pass situation. And I think 
the numbers big enough to try to get involved with Invictus, and God, that makes me want to puke, but I played Invictus plus 1.5 maps at minus 167 for one unit, Invictus on the money line plus 166 for a quarter unit, and Invictus to sweep at minus, or at plus 489 for 0.1 units. I would not play these at numbers cheaper than this. Like, if it's not around these prices, don't play it. Like, I, there, there's a pretty big divergence in prices at the books on this match. Um, a lot of them are making this a lot closer. I mean, I saw Invictus as low as plus 130 in this match. Don't don't be playing Invictus at plus 130. I'm just playing a number here. I just think it's a little bit too big a price. This was from Pinnacle. So um, I'm also going to play the over 1.5 Barons. That's actually my favorite play in this match. Both these teams have been playing pretty slow for the most part. Um the game, the league itself has been playing pretty slow, and over 1.5 Barons is the most volatile of the neutral objectives. Um, Towers can be pretty volatile in certain metas, but not this one as well. But Or not this one, but the uh, under 12.5 Towers actually showed an edge as well. But I'm going to opt for the Barons in this case because I do think these could be longer slugfest kind of games. Um, so I played over, map 1 and map 2 over 1.5 Barons plus 108 on both maps for one unit each. These two teams are going over this clip at more than... I mean, RNG are going over it in two-thirds of their games. Invictus are going over it in more than more than 55% of their games. And you're getting plus money on it. So I, I like the I like the edge there. Plus, the general premise of the league in general, like overall right now... Uh, let's see. You're getting... Eh, I mean, the overall league price is more in line with this price. I mean, the overall... Like, the league is going over at just under 46% which isn't as good as this price, but with these two teams, I think this game could end up being pretty competitive, and they both tended to want to play a little bit slow, even if they're a little scrappy in the process. So I like the Baron over. The next match is a really, really interesting one. We got two two interesting matches to end up end before the new year, which is kind of a nice treat. We didn't just get a dog shit garbage match, which is good. So we have Weibo Gaming, plus 170 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at minus 172, minus 1.5 at plus 472. Versus top esports, minus 210 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at plus 141, plus 1.5 at minus 678. No lineup changes for either of these teams. We're getting uh, ZDZ, Zhao Hao, Zhao Hu, Light, and Chris for Weibo, 369, Tian, Cream, Jackie Love, and Mako for top esports. Uh, models liked top a little bit more than the market price on them. Um, this is a really kind of interesting matchup, though. So Weibo... To me, top have looked really, really clean, but they haven't really played anybody. They've just like completely obliterated their last two matchups. The models tend to weight that a lot more, or not a lot more. They tend to weigh it more than the full season sample. Not tend to. They do actually weigh it more. So um, they're just coming off two absolute beatings of EDG and Rare Adam, and I think both those teams look pretty terrible right now. I think we can all agree there. Um, that said, though, like top are generally a good regular season team. They do tend to shit stomp everybody in the regular season, and they have trouble in the playoffs where high leverage situations and you know Jackie Love being Jackie Love can be an issue for them. But so far, they've looked really, really clean. They have a great early game, and really, there's only been two teams in the league with elite early games, and it's Top Esports and Billy Billy Gaming. And in a meta game where it doesn't seem like a lot of people are able to blow out huge advantages early, Top Esports have been one of them. So. You know, there could be a there there, if you know what I'm saying, right? Bo, on the other hand, have been much, much shakier. Uh, I assume probably just they're, you know, not all teams that are that add new pieces gel right away, and sometimes it takes time for teams to get their feet under them. And I think that could be the case with this Weibo team. That said, they're still kind of playing 
a lot like we saw them last season. Like, Weibo, it's weird. Weibo last season were a punch-up team. They played much better games against the top teams than they did against the bottom teams, and they had a, they had a lot of real head-scratching series. Uh, with this reworked lineup, I think they're a little bit outclassed on the top side of the map. Um, I've liked what I've seen from Zhao Hao so far, but Zhao Hao still kind of has a little coin flipping to him. And, you know, he's, he's, here's what's wild about Weibo this season. I think Zhao Hao has actually played really, really well. And he's flipped heads early in a lot of games. And they're still have it. They still have a bad early game. Like they're, they, Weibo are a below average early game team this season. And they're going up against one of like the two elite early games in this match. I played top esports on the money line at minus one ninety two. This for one unit. This was via Nitrogen or BAS. Uh, I think Battle Online had the same price too. So, um, I you know I, I think Weibo are going to eventually be good. I'm really not trying to dunk on them. I just think like right now from what we've seen from these two teams, I I just think they're going to get run over in at least one of these games, maybe two. Top Esports early game has been just ridiculously good. And right now, nobody's showed the ability to really blow games out early consistently besides the elite, elite teams. And I think that could be the case here. So, like, Weibo have just been playing too slow through the early game. They're going to have to adjust. If they do, then so be it. That's fine. But I think Top Esports outclass them at pretty much every position besides mid. And uh, maybe 80 carries even, but... I think they outclass them big time top lane, uh, jungles maybe even. They're just two very different types of players. Uh, I'll give Zhao Hu the edge in mid lane, but like, not by much, and it just depends. But like, you know, it's weird. We we haven't seen like the blow up bad performance. Cream and Jackie Love are both extremely volatile players. They have their nuclear bad games as well, and we're you know we could be due for one of those if you want to believe in that kind of stuff. But like. I, don't, I just think this is a stylistically bad matchup. Weibo are going to be a good underdog eventually against the good teams, just maybe not against like Billy Billy and Top, like the elite early game teams. Until they show you that they can play strong early games, I think you just have to assume that they're going to play slow and steady wins the race, and early games, early game teams can maybe get the jump on them and uh, jump out to leads. I mean, think about it. We saw we saw Thunder Talk jump out to huge leads on this team too, and Rare Adam. So uh, really, Weibo... Was it Rare Adam? Yeah, it was Rare Adam in the first series. They they won that first game in that series, but they, they had, like Weibo had two losable games against Thunder Talk and Rare Adam. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Top Esports are just in better form right now. Maybe on the other side of the break, we'll take Weibo as a dog against some of these teams, but um, I took Top Esports on the money line. Again, this is the last day before the Lunar New Year break for China. Uh, Korea does not play this week. They start up again next Wednesday. Uh, the LPL is off until I wrote it down. One second. The LPL is off until February eighteenth. So they're going to be doing an eight day week. Uh, so Sunday, February eighteenth, is actually when the LPL starts back up. It'll be a three day start on that Sunday, and it's an eight day week for that first week back. Um, I will not. There won't be a podcast tomorrow. Uh, we have. Actually, there might not be a podcast Thursday either. I'm probably not going to do one on Wednesday or Thursday. I'll do one for Friday, heading into the weekend for uh, LEC and LCS on Saturday. And until then, I will see you guys later.